Fearscape Media Network. Exploring the unknown, one podcast at a time. in the attic's bodies in the basements may contain graphic, violent, vulgar, or explicit content not suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, listeners. It's Ghosts in the Attic's Bodies in the Basement. Anna. And I'm Lindsay, and this is the long-awaited Gone Girl episode. So fucking <laughs> sorry it took um, five years to get here. Not really, but it feels like it. Um, but since we made you all wait for so long, we decided to make it a regular episode. Right? We feel it's, it's, it, it's earned that spot. You all have earned that from <laughs> us. Also, did you read the book? Let us we know gave on, you plenty of time. Come on. Let us know on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or in our inbox at gabbpodcast at gmail.com. Um, we'd love to hear your thoughts and opinions on Gone Girl. I know this book is not new by any stretch of the imagination. The movie is not new. Both are significantly old, but they, they still, I feel, stand there are so many books that people go, it's the next Gone Girl. Mm-hmm. To this day, people say that about new upcoming like books. So I feel like that Gillian Flynn really did something amazing when she wrote this. And we'll get we'll get all into it. But I just want to point out that um, for you people that don't understand my obsession with this woman, um, I've read everything she's written, including her short stories. Anything that's been published by Gillian Flynn, I've read, I own, I adore. She's <laughs> fantastic. Like, there's Stephen King and Gillian Flynn. Like, for me, that's just like, oh. So, 
I mean, and then on the opposite end of the spectrum, this is the first time I've ever read her. Yeah, what'd you think? It's pretty good. Was it um a little too fucked up for you? <laughs> I have lots of opinions, but before we jump in, uh, in case anybody hasn't read it, which why are you listening to this? There's going to be spoilers. Spoiler but alert! We figured we will um get into the synopsis a little bit in case, in case maybe you are just wild and don't care that it's spoilers and you just want to hear about it. So let's get into it. This is the synopsis off of Amazon. On a warm summer morning in North Carthage, Missouri, it is Nick and Amy Dunn's fifth wedding anniversary. Presents are being wrapped and reservations are being made when Nick's clever and beautiful wife disappears. Husband of the year Nick isn't doing himself any favors with cringeworthy daydreams about the slope and shape of his wife's head, but passages from Amy's diary reveal that alpha girl perfectionist could have put anyone dangerously on edge. Under mounting pressure from the police and the media, as well as Amy's fiercely doting parents, the town golden boy parades an endless series of lies, deceits, and inappropriate behavior. Nick is oddly evasive, and he's definitely bitter. But is he really a killer? Bum, bum, bum. I was just about to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so the thing of it, she is so masterfully written this book in a way that you don't know what the fuck is going to happen. Like, you think you know. And then you get two more pages in, you're like, nope, fuck, and I you was might, wrong. And you might have figured out something. Oh, yeah, because you watched but the movie first. Another. Well, I haven't seen the movie, actually. Oh, I, I know. I should have like, watched that. A lot of people probably know about this because of the movie, I which just, is how okay. I found out about it. I found out about it because Ben Affleck looked dreamy as hell with a like lady laying on top of him in like a morgue. And I was like, okay, I'm listening. And it said... Based on the best-selling novel, I was like, okay, I'm buying it. And it went downhill from there. I mean, I will say because this book, because the book came out in 2014, according to Amazon. I did not fact check that. So hopefully Amazon is correct. But it came out in 2014, give or take. (laughs) And so obviously, like I knew like the big twist, but there were still enough twists and turns throughout it. Where it was okay. Like, it wasn't like a huge shock when it like switched to part two or whatever. Right. But there was still enough in the book where I'm just like, what the fuck? Oh, yeah. So there's so many what the fucks. All right. So we, we pulled up a little questionnaire that we put together uh, that we found online and we picked our favorite questions. So this will kind of keep us on track with our squirrely brains. God help us. <laughs> my <laughs> my Adderall doses do like any minute now. Um, but I I digress. All right. So the first question that we're gonna start with is going to be Was the book too fucked up for Lindsay? Uh, no, no, I don't think it was too fucked up. No. It my my friend said she vomited when she read certain really? parts of the book. Well, the I wine... did not pass out when I read Guts by Chuck Palahniuk. Yeah, I was so... just like the wine bottle really fucked with her. Oh yeah, yeah. That was messed up. We'll I get will into say that a little bit later. Uh, I will say lighthearted. <laughs> <laughs> so like it wasn't too fucked up for me, but I will say this. First of all, I listen on Audible. We talk about that all the time. Audible sponsor us. Sponsor anyone, please. I know right? we don't have that as an option anymore. It's really kind of not fair. But because I listen on Audible, you're kind of like at the discretion of the narrator. Okay. And it's not that the narrator's 
were bad. Like, I'm not trying to shit on, I don't remember their names. But, like, they did a good job, but it's like they did too good of a job. And it right. was annoying me. Right, like, they were the characters. Like, I remember I was listening to it one day, and my mom had called me. And she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm listening to Gone Girl. And so, like, we kind of talked a little bit. And I was like, I'm going to be honest. They are insufferable, both of them. And yes. I'll tell you, I always try to take notes for these book clubs, and I'm horrible at taking notes. I always stop. <laughs> but, I um, do but since I'm on the topic of my opinions on Nick and Amy, I had to read you, read you the little bit I did write. And it says, you know, I initially thought Nick was annoying, but the more I hear Amy's side, admittedly by chapter four, so maybe it'll change. Uh, spoiler, it does not. She's a <laughs> fucking tool. <laughs> has to be some deeper meaning, and she has to be the smartest one in the room. I stand by that opinion upon finishing she, the book. She really does. She has to be, like, for fuck's sake, she says something, I'm... I'm butchering this paraphrasing at best to say the least um she goes on to say something in the book along the lines of uh no guy wants to be with nobody no guy wants to be with anyone but the cool girl so i was the cool girl for you nick and it's like or here's a wild fucking idea be yourself be yourself. Oh, when she starts being herself and when shit goes down. <laughs> no, see, the thing of it, she could have been herself. And I think they could have had a loving short term, not long lasting. I was about to say, I don't think Amy is capable. I don't think they're both capable of that. But a short term loving relationship and they could have seen each other's flaws and, and, and loved each other through it until they just couldn't stand each other because they're so fucking obnoxious but that she could have been herself i mean anyone can be you don't i'm not for everyone you are not for everyone nobody's for everyone but there is somebody out there that's going to find who you are as a person and love you endlessly through your faults and through your bullshit and and just call you out on it but love you through it anyway and i mean she could have been that but no she had to be the cool girl as far as we know, that's what her diary says, which we know yes. was completely fabricated. Exactly. So in the first Very third of the book, did you think Nick was guilty? Yes or uh, no? And if so, why or why not? I don't think I can fairly say either way because I knew she wasn't dead. Right. Like I already knew that twist. But if I try to pretend I didn't know that, I would say there was reasonable doubt. Yes. Like now, he... He very much did not think things through, like taking selfies with the search party. <laughs> like, right, like, let me give you a cast. But I also understand that people pleaser persona of he's not going to leave me alone. Okay. <laughs> and I'm smiling. You all can't see me. Yeah. But no, but that's the thing is like, I will die on this hill. Everybody that writes a book needs to have the option to write the screenplay for the movie. Lindsay has not seen Gone Girl because she hadn't had a chance, but I own the movie. I own the book. I own the audiobook. I own the ebook. I own all the books. Okay, it's problematic. I told you she's one of my favorite authors. Mm -hmm. And um, Gillian Flynn actually had the option and did write the screenplay for the fucking movie. And because of that, because she was able to take her work 
and turn it into a different form of her work. It was so fucking perfect. I mean, very little was left out of the book. Very mm. little. Or left out of the movie, sorry. It. That went yeah, from into the, the book. From the book into the movie. Very little was left out. And it was so refreshing to to read your favorite book and then to see it on like the screen and it not be completely fucking butchered. It was nice. I'm not That is lie. very nice. And it is the complete opposite of every other situation of situation um, when me and my Twilight phase back in the day. And when I say Twilight phase, I say me and Kelsey went to Forks, Washington for the Breaking Dawn book release. <laughs> and it was awesome. But anyway, so imagine my extreme disappointment in seeing the Twilight film. I kind of rewatch it just for the Twilight Renaissance and go into it knowing it's horrible and like it like laugh about it. I watched a quarter of the first movie. I got to the part where he's like watching her sleep and he breaks into her house every fucking day. And like she was like, What are you doing here? I'll oh, I've been doing this for like three months now. It's and he's cool. like, you know, oh, I've just hot. been doing it forever. And she's like, Oh my god, he loves me so much. <laughs> no. It's not sexy. It's not cool. He's fucking breaking into your house. It's creepy. Call the cops. Yeah, oh, wait. Adult, call your dad. He's the cop. Adult, right? <laughs> as an adult, Twilight's suspicious at best. <laughs> Never read it. I watched, like I said, a quarter of one movie. But when I was like... And it was not good. Right. Like when I was like, what, like a sophomore in high school or something, I think is when Twilight came out. Because Breaking Dawn came out. Shh, you're aging gradu- I just graduated high school and wasn't even 18 yet when we flew to Washington. Yeah. I'm I'm surprised my parents did not just die of a heart attack at that trip. <laughs> but uh but yeah. Oh yeah, Gone Girl. Like, so romantic. Yeah. No. Well, in Gone Girl, they try to make the scavenger hunt seem so romantic. I will say. It was elaborate as fuck and that girl is a genius. That's what I was going to say. Like it I That's a level of gifting I aspire cool, to. But like the levels, the way it hits so differently. Okay, because here's like, the thing. She was doing the scavenger hunts before the manipulation of is she missing or not. She did the initial scavenger hunt because it's what her parents would do. And it was something sweet from her childhood that she enjoyed. So she tried to replicate that. Uh-oh. But that is a level of thought and compassion and... And just like diehard gift giving that I aspire to, aka prom dress, eight hours came to see you for your birthday. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's me. I I like thrive in that environment. I'm like, ooh, fun. But I mean, it's manipulative as fuck. The last it scavenger is. hunt she threw. Woo! Right. Well, because, I say like, that she as threw. the reader, you are kind of put into Nick's like um mindset, I guess. Where he starts re-falling in love with her. And then, of course, when you find out that the whole time he's actually having an affair. And so, like, some things are kind of, like, like the yeah. underwear in his office. Like, shit like that is like, oh, but you don't know that at the time. And he's like, wow, maybe I had her pegged wrong. Like, I'm the asshole cheating on my wife. Which, yes, you are, Nick. Yes. doesn't negate she's also an asshole. But you start being like, okay. Okay, maybe she's not that bad. Maybe okay. she was really trying. She was. And then you and get the to diaries. that twist. And then they come into the diaries, and then, you know, the, the accusations of him trying to murder her 
or beat her up and all these different things. And it's just like, Mm -hmm. he was sitting there and you could just tell from the reader, like being in his mind and like walking in his shoes for five minutes per chapter. You're like, I didn't do that. What the actual fuck? And it's just like the level of betrayal. I I can only imagine his character felt, but also she was betrayed as well. So it's just like, they're both assholes in the end. And what it all boils down to is what we mentioned earlier of should have been yourself. Yeah. But like, I will say Nick has so much of the people pleaser. I'm the nice guy. Everybody wants me to help them, but then like secretly resents it. Oh, I and mean, then, don't we all though? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I ring people pleasers. That's a, whole, so, that's a topic for another day and like, like a different podcast. We need like a whole like, meeting about it weekly i swear where we're just like we're not gonna do it anymore we're not gonna do it anymore okay and then we do it anyway no it's a complete sentence and then send a novel explaining why we can't do like a simple thing (laughs) like i don't know but yeah we're covering people pleasers here so i I relate to nick in that aspect to to an extent but i don't know um i mean i've trained my children to the point to where if i hold up a camera Landon automatically goes from being pissed off looking to cheese, but not like a fake cheese, like a happy cheese, like a like a put on smile, but you can't tell he put it on. It just looks natural because I play with the camera. I have I have a camera hobby. I have a lot of hobbies. I'm ADD much. But beyond that, like I've trained my kids to just put it on when that camera's held up. And so I feel like when Nick, when that camera came on. He just did what Landon does is smile. Exactly, yeah. Okay, and then he was done because he didn't want that lady pestering the fuck out of That's him. That's what I was going to say. What's really frustrating. His wife is missing. Right. Like, what's really frustrating is that from the reader, we get his inside thoughts where he's like, oh my God, like I, like, I can tell that she's being weird and annoying and I just want her to go away. I think he even says, I want her to go away. And yeah. so he smiles, take the picture, so she'll fucking go away. And then me- it also is a good narrative. About the media and how the media portrays and they can spin a story. Yep. It's, oh, look how suspicious because the husband always does it. Always. Which is like a whole other, I think, another one of the questions that we had found on the book club discussion stuff. But like, it's just, it's frustrating to know the truth, or at least the truth as Nick saw it. You, you can very much say that both of them are unreliable narrators. There's his version, her version. And, and the really truth happened. lies somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And you, you get a little bit more of the truth for farther into the book when Nick finally admits that he's been cheating on Amy. Can we just talk about the real hero of the book for a moment? Not the author. I mean, she is the hero, but the, the character hero of the book, uh, Margot. Can we get a <laughs> for his sister? Because that bitch was not putting up with his bullshit. She was not putting up with his shenanigans. Mm-mm. She wasn't willing to hide anything for him. She was. She had his back, but she beat him with her words. Like, I'm telling you, right. if, she, if she was a physical person, she probably would have smacked the shit out of him. Right. Like, she was definitely very strong. Because first of all, how hard and what must it be to see your twin go through this? whether you think they may be guilty or not or whatever, and then find out that you've been fighting for this person. Like, he's such a great person. He loves his wife, all that. And then she literally catches him trying to push the little girlfriend out the door. Right. And she's like, the fuck? Yeah. 
like I had your back. I was like, and I still love you, and I'm still here for you, and I know you're not a monster, but that's fucked. Yeah, and like she's like, how long has this been going on? What the actual fuck, Nick? And like, what are you thinking? I love that. I love that Gillian portrayed such a strong female character without her being bossy and bitchy and demanding. Like she right. was strong and assertive and kind and caring and sure of herself. And I, I fucking love that. And also I feel so bad for her because she can't help being related to Nick. Nope. But Amy dragged her into it too. Yeah. Hiding the stuff in her storage shed on her property. Yep. Because and making her then why why not make her guilty by association? Exactly. And like uh that was that was sad. I felt bad. Okay, so what do you think this is a question from the little blog thingy. Uh, it says, what did you expect to happen after Amy returned? Were you surprised by her final uh, predicament? Do you think that uh, would be enough for Nick to actually stay? Okay, I'll let you answer and I'll give my opinion. Okay, first of all, fucked up. I said before on here, I can appreciate a bad ending. And yeah. I would definitely say that is a bad ending. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And um, but I can appreciate it because it makes it well, not all happy. Let's because... tell everybody what happened so that they know. Oh yeah! Spoiler alert: um, Amy comes back, and oh, I had this horrible situation, which we'll get into separately away from this question. And like she's perfect victim who was found, and oh, it was never my husband, even though she was trying to pin him the entire fucking time. And then he's all pissed the fuck off, wants her gone, wants trying to figure out how to get out of it. And, oh, what is it? Back a few years ago when they were having problems, they had frozen some of his sperm for fertility and, treatments. And guess who went and got herself a baby? Amy. Mm -hmm. So she said, oh, but I'm pregnant. Which, of course, we haven't mentioned, but if you've read the book, you know. She put in her fake diary that she was pregnant using her neighbor fake friend's pee, who was actually I mean, pregnant. super fucking genius, by the way. Uh, can I? No, no, you're fucking not. Like you're not. And then she mentioned like the sperm bank and all that or whatever. And he he was like just floored. And then he's like, yeah, I have to say, like I don't want to, but I'll do what I can for the kid. Because his his parents were horrible to each other, and they got divorced, etc., etc. La da da. And he didn't want his child to feel abandoned by him, so he stayed with Amy. Which is interesting, considering he talks about how much happier his mom was after the divorce oh, like yeah. she was instantly lighter yeah but, but... <laughs> i do see him actually staying for that because we mentioned before he's the people pleaser nice guy even though he resents it and how many people out there have you ever heard of in life we're staying together, stay for, the together kids. for the kids yeah it's a horrible trope, but it is a trope, and there's and a it's a reality. It. It's a reality. That's like, why I personally know people who have said such things, and I'm like, mm. as or, a child of divorced parents, I'll tell or, you, it was better than being separated than together. A miserable. lot of times, parents will stay together until the kids are out of high school mm -hmm. and or high school slash college, and then they'll get divorced like later in their life. So it's easier on the child and the kids. Like, why didn't you do this fucking years ago? God, like right. you know, it's crazy. It's not how much you think you hide from your children; they still can pick <laughs> up on like the, those feelings, the, the the tension in the air. 
fight. Yeah. Like, they know you hate each other, which doesn't make me feel horrible for the child of Nick and Amy. All right. Because so they are both miserable people. Let's go into, well, that child's going to be a psychopath, but I'm waiting for that book to come out. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's get into another question. Did you, do, you, do, you, do you believe that she would have actually committed suicide when she left? And why do you think she returned? Okay, so for people who have not read and are just listening to us talk for the sake of talking, um, Amy said, when we get to the big twist that Amy's actually alive and we get, like, real Amy instead of fake diary Amy, she tells about her how her plan was to get away and get far enough away and then kill herself. She had, like, pocket full of sleeping pills. Mississippi River? Yeah, like, I think everything's along, like, the Mississippi River because they live in Missouri. And so... She's like, oh, I've got all these sleeping pills. I'm just going to swim out into the water and take these pills, which made me think of a simple favor. But, yeah. Uh, which may be where that trope came from, you know? Yeah, but, but I, don't, I don't see her actually doing it. I she think she's too selfish. Too yeah, she's too selfish. I mean, not to say that you can't be selfish and also kill yourself. I'm saying she is crazy in a different level of crazy. She's hardcore psychopathic narcissistic and she's narcissistic and she's self-absorbed like i mean to the 10th degree it's ridiculous but i i don't think she would have committed suicide because then she couldn't see how it played out and i think she returned because nick figured out that she was playing a game with him that amy was actually alive that because okay so, um, what Amy does when she leaves is she cuts her hair, she, she changes her appearance completely so she can't be discovered, but Nick figures out that it's all a game when they discover the burnt diary in his dad's old house, his dad's in a nursing home now, but in his dad's house in like this wood burning fireplace furnace thing, I don't know. Um, so they find the diary all like burnt to shit and they decipher it the best that they can. That's when Nick figures out this bitch is playing a game with him. And so he decides if she can play a game, I will top her. I will make Amy fall in love with me because he knows she's out there watching it somewhere. Mm -hmm. So she goes to this little motel and gets into this like altercation with this couple that's staying there. Maybe they weren't a couple. I, I, it's hard for me to tell how it was written if they were actually like a couple or if they were just like fucking with her to rob her. I don't know, but they rob her. So she calls up an ex-boyfriend that she had claimed, tried to trigger warning, rape her. her. Well, he tried to kill himself in her bed. Yeah. Yeah. And I think she said he raped her as well, but at the very, I, I can't remember that, but I do know she claimed he was a stalker. Like, yeah, hardcore. hardcore stalker, obsessed with her, tried to kill himself in her bed. She got a restraining order against him. His name's Desi. And she did all of this shit. Oh, no, the rape thing happens after she's with him. Sorry, I got ahead of myself. So she takes this, like I talked about this wine bottle earlier. Trigger warning for disgusting. She um, is lavishly taken care of with Desi. He is in love with her, and he's always been in love with her, and she paints Nick out to be this monster like she has in her diary. And Desi kind of is sort of weird. He wants mm, her to be, like, yeah. thin 
and blonde and she's put on some weight in her hiding because she's eating like vending machine junk food and whatnot. Yeah, well, and, and then probably like, oh. heavier than the last time he saw her, anyways, because it's been and so high long. School or college, yeah, high school or college. And so he wants her to be thin and fit. So he has her exercise and he cooks her, you know, fancy gourmet food, but it's healthy food. And but he gives her wine, and so she takes those wine bottles and assaults herself with them. That's the best way I know how to put it. Make the forensics work. To make it look like she she was was assaulted. Assaulted. And she claims that he raped her. And then she fucking murders him. She She murders him him during sex. So then when she shows back up to Nick. He is covered in blood. And she's all like, oh, the entire time the crazy ex-stalker is the one who kidnapped me. Yeah. The real victim was Desi. He was weird. Yeah, he I was don't weird. know where that could have gone. It was a little. Uh. The girl that she said in t- uh, impersonated her. That was he weird. Made impersonate. Okay, let me just say, and I won't be on this soapbox for long because I'm not about to like start like getting in too much details. Ask somebody who has been made like the bad guy in people's stories when like it's so far from the truth. I felt so horrible, especially for that girl. Desi, we find out, is still a little weird. That that girl at the time, woman, when we hear meet her in the story, like, she just thought she had a friend. Yeah. She thought she had a friend, and the friend made her do things, and then turned around and said, oh my god, what is wrong with you? Well, not even just that. There was another guy as well. I can't remember the character's name. I'm super sorry for that. But Oh, yeah. I forgot she, about him she she makes him out to be a horrible person too and i think she said he attempted to like date that's rape her. what it was he he attempted to date rape her and she ruined his life and reputation all because she was bored yeah she just felt like it she was bored i can't stress that enough this woman is psychotic and so all of that to say i think she came home because she needed the attention that's what i was gonna say she liked the attention she was getting on the news and And she was like i don't even get to like feel it firsthand nick was putting on this oh i'm gonna wear the shirt she picked out for me and and the you know the the tie that she likes and all this side note on that for people who don't know um the scavenger hunt she put on it for both of them every anniversary holiday birthday whatever it was very much they got each other the gifts that they would have liked to receive instead of what the other person would actually like. Yep. And so he never wore any of this stuff. So he's like, you know what? I'll play her a little game and like starts putting on all the stuff that he didn't even like, but she got for him. And she was just like, he's trying so hard. He loves me. Meh. And it's just like, or, or, or. Here's a radical thought. He's trying to get you to come home so he doesn't go to fucking prison. Right. And, like, that was, like, such an infuriating thing when they figure it out. And he tells his attorney, he tells his sister, like, and explains it all. And the attorney's even kind of like, you know what, sounds kind of sus, but, like, I see where where it could be that or whatever. And then, like, they don't even get to prove it because she comes back. And he had a kick-ass shark of a lawyer, and I was really hoping that it would go somewhere and like Nick would get his his justice served and he would be found innocent but Amy had to you know come back the and be the amazing Amy by the way her parents wrote a book 
series about her, sort of. It's so fucked up. No wonder she's fucked up. She comes from crazy people. They made a book series about the amazing Amy, a little girl who could do everything Amy could not. Amy but- failed at playing the piano. Oh, well, amazing Amy can play the piano. She's a perfect piano player. Like It's just crazy. I do wonder, though how much they are actually like that and how much Amy just portrays to the reader that they are like that. I mean, in the book, though, she does go to Amazing Amy's wedding book party release bullshit because Amy can't get married, so they're going to marry off the character. Right. That's really mean. And it's just like, maybe it was part of the whole Amy mindfuck game that she was playing with everyone, even us, the readers. Or... Maybe her parents were just that shitty. Right. Um, we were talking about Amy coming back, but while she's in hiding, this is another one of the questions. These are off of various websites, so as always, be on our uh, sources. But it says, while in hiding, Amy begins to explore what the real Amy likes and dislikes because she's been putting on this front for fucking years. It says, do you think that this is a true explanation of her feelings or is she just acting out yet another role? And in... Um, I'll just stop there. I feel I feel she is too locked into playing something to figure out who she really is ever. I don't think she'll ever truly admit the monster that she really is because it's too terrifying for her to admit for one. And for two, I think personally that she's been acting her whole life as somebody else to somebody else to somebody else every person she comes in contact with she's a different amy Mm -hmm. and it's not like she has schizophrenia or did she's just manipulative and she's very much a chameleon and turns herself into what she thinks they want her to be like i'm the cool girl nick or no she wants to be for that person yeah like the friend from high school it's oh we're best friends and then it turns out he played it off like this girl is stalking her, trying to steal her identity. Exactly. And, like, the guy that she, you know, Desi, that she runs to when she gets robbed, because Desi's loaded. I mean, he comes from he comes from money. He's made his own money. He's he's a loaded dude. And he he hides her. He he takes her and he helps her. And what does she do? She's escaping a domestic violence situation. What What does she do? Sets him up for rape and murders him. And she does. Now, the wine bottle thing, I'm going back to that. How did, how would they prove that it was rape? Oh, it just looks like she's had sex. No, no. She, she gets him to actively have sex with her one time. So his DNA fluids and DNA and all the things. And, and then, um, then she kills him while he's mid. Whatever. Anyways, it's gross. It's that's what made my yeah. friend throw up was the wine bottle stuff, and so I feel that. Um, yeah. But it's just like and she was also slowly bruising her wrists and ankles. Oh yeah, she would tie up. Notice, with, like, but the police looked like she had been tied up. Yeah, she would like uh, wrap her wrists with some some sort of object. Like was it sheets? I can't remember. Uh, what I can't remember what she used. She used like we'll say bedding because I can't remember 
for she did something to make it but like she was doing like it she slowly would, over she time tighten it and just really just rake it in like make it look like she had been trying to get out of restraints and like that's fucking like next level like she honestly is so smart and if you know how when kids are being bad in school and they're like well maybe they're just bad kids or maybe they're just bored when mm -hmm. bored people have nothing better to do they act out Amy is so fucking smart that she has nothing better to do than act out because she's bored. It's ridiculous. I agree. Oh, the rest of that question was, in these passages, what does she mean when she refers to herself as I in quotes? I think it means she doesn't know who she really is. Because yeah, she's like, always been acting. I, I don't think she knows who she is because she's been, you know, trying to outdo the book, Amy. And then she tries to be whoever she needs to be to make the situation more convenient for her with everyone she interacts with. And I think the only true moment she ever had was the moment she may have been born. Because <laughs> that, um, like, I think maybe the moment she got robbed. So she maybe? was just so shocked she and didn't expect it. She was it, actually she scared. Thought, because for once, she, thought like, she was part of them. Not even just that. The people were people she'd been spending time with. So they were like almost like friends, quote unquote. But she was putting on a facade because she was in hiding. That's the only reason why that makes any sense. Right. So the next question says, Nick stops, uh, it's in quotes. It says, Nick stops strangling Amy and thinks, who would I be without Amy to react to? Because she was right. As a man, I had been my most impressive when I loved her. And I was my best self when I hated her. I couldn't return to an average life. End quote. That says a lot about him. We'll get into that. But the, the end of the question is, is this believable? Is it possible for Nick to be fulfilled in an extraordinary relationship where he is understood even if it is manipulative and dangerous? I think we all have known people throughout life who are so toxic together but are addicted to each other and i think that's what's happened with nick and amy by the end do you, you want to know why i'll tell you why Shh, it's a secret don't let anyone people mistake drama for passion thank you people think you have to have that passionate fighting to have makeup sex or like whatever like oh, no, book. it's horribly toxic. The guy stalks her for however many fucking years. Threatens to throw and himself off a Ferris wheel if they don't go on a date. It's He's great. I hate that movie so much. I oh, almost always love it. I haven't watched it in years, but like, yeah, that was not healthy. I almost got suspended in high school for calling a teacher out on letting us watch that in class. And I was like, it got to the sex scene part. And I was like, God, no guy wants to hear some girl babble while they have sex. And she goes, go to the office. I was like, why? Well, do you want to come with me? I was like, we're literally watching this in class right now. I was like, we are in high school. Right. This is not appropriate for you to put on for us. She was a substitute. And I was like, so would you like for me to give commentary or for me to go tell the principal exactly what you're doing? <laughs> and I got to sit down and I didn't have to do anything for the rest of the day. Not because I was in trouble, but because I outsmarted that bitch. I I will I will die on hills and that was one of them. I was like, I'm not going to fucking principal's office for this. Fuck you. I shouldn't be having to watch this in class anyway. But back to Gone Girl, I will oh, say yeah, on, sorry, I have on <laughs> you know, you're good. On Amy's side of it, 
with then she wants Nick to be around so she constantly gets that validation and attention, whether it's negative or positive. She just wants the attention. And she knows that she has the power to wreck him if he steps out of line. On the opposite end of that, Nick has grown addicted to being angry with her. Not at one point he even talks about how he was like ready to get riled up, even though like they weren't even having a conversation yet. He just knew what she was gonna say and it was gonna go bad. Like almost like he was excited to be angry about it. I don't even think it's just an addiction. I think it's just that's all he knows. He watched his parents have that type of relationship. And then he finds himself in that type of relationship. And it's unfortunate that people think that's thrilling and exciting and love when it's not. Like, you know, it's the best thing ever when you don't get butterflies in your stomach when you meet somebody, when they feel like home. Mm-hmm. Now, when you get past that, when like, you get past that new fluttery, like, that new excited energy and you just find comfort and they just the, the side of them can calm you down not piss you off instantly see that's where the difference is and right. a lot of times people mistake fighting and anger and just drama for passion and and you can you know what i'm passionate about not being in drama uh, seriously <laughs> straight up I will also say, because I've been sitting here while you're talking, like, going through my head. I mentioned earlier I was shocked about him staying just because he saw how much happier his mom was after the divorce. But that's just it. Because a whole theme throughout with Nick's narration is his intense fear of becoming his father. And his father is very anti-woman. It's that stupid bitch constantly. He's always saying that horrible phrase. Yeah, and he gets stuck in Nick's head, like yeah. in his father's voice in his head. That stupid bitch. Like whenever he gets like mad at Amy or anyone else who happens to be a female, and so I think that maybe by sticking around, knowing that he's going to be miserable because of that stupid bitch, because he's like, well, I am destined to become my father. Also, though, on the same thought, if he leaves Amy. Will she then in turn be happy like his mother was? Because he doesn't like Amy. He doesn't want her to be happy. He wants to be happy. I just don't understand why he didn't. I, mean, I guess, I mean, he did. I would like, proving. I would try to get custody of that kid and run fucking far, I far say, away. He, so I was going to say, why didn't he keep trying to prove it? For a while he did. For those of you who, who did not read it. He go and one of the detectives would meet up in secret at like the Waffle House or whatever. Yeah, but as soon as it was this, like once Amy revealed she was legitimately pregnant, mm -hmm. then then it was like, oh, we're done. And he had to break off. Like the fuck. Yeah, he broke it off with them, and he was like, "She's pregnant. I I'm staying with her." And they tried really hard to convince him to, to to leave. To, yeah. to fight, to, to prove, because they had evidence. But in the end, Nick stayed with Amy. And like I said, bad ending. It's, Not that it's a poorly written ending. No, it's, it's but... written very well. It's just, I mean, I kind of wanted them both to die by the end and Margot be like triumphant somehow. Like, you know, like, oh, she mm-hmm. didn't have to pay back the money on the bar. She gets it all to herself. Yay, yay, yay. Go, Margo. Everybody else right. can go down, just down in a bunch of flames. Because at, 
we have this problem, Lindsay, I've realized that when we uh, watch things, read things, we don't like the main characters. <laughs> yeah, I, I was actually just watching TikTok videos before we started recording um, of this TikToker I liked who psychoanalyzes Gilmore Girls and specifically yes. uh, Lorelai, Rory, and Emily's like toxic behaviors. And their dynamic. <laughs> yes. So yes, very much so. We do tend to hate the main characters not always no there there are a few really redeeming characters in books but you know it is what it is yeah we we do tend to really not like main characters for some reason because they're written poorly i swear (laughs) i mean really well too well or they're written to the point to where they're so realistic that they're obnoxious right or they are they don't have any they're so quirky and cute and like it's like or they don't have any redeeming qualities right and i will say before i get into our last discussion question that if you do listen on audible and i told you like i was so annoyed like i didn't think i was gonna be able to finish it and i was like i know the story is good i want to know what happens next plot wise i was like but i can't stand this and like i said it's not anything against the narrators it's the personalities of nick and amy and and the length of the book and so i ended up turning my speed up so 1.75 and then it was like it was great so nice. i'll have to try that that's trick. just like a little hint if you come across something like that where it's like it's not that the narrators are doing a bad job again not trying to shit on the audible narrators it was the characters were so insufferable that when they were talking faster i i could deal with it better right but on to our last question and uh i bring this one up because we are a true crime paranormal podcast as experienced consumers of true crime and tragedy, modern audiences tend to expect each crime to fit a specific mold, a story, a villain, a heroine. How does this phenomenon influence the way we judge news stories? And does this have an impact on the criminal justice system? And consider the example of the North Carthage police and also Tanner Bolt, who is um, the attorney. And that is, I've mentioned it briefly earlier, that is a huge aspect of Gone Girl, is the... Statistically speaking, especially in domestic violence cases, it's usually a, lot of times, a loved one or someone close to the family. Exactly. Or as we like to jokingly say, the husband did it. Yeah. You, you know, and it's so and that is like a huge. But there's, there's a reason why it's a thing. Right. But with the way things get twisted and Gone Girl shows this happen to Nick, even though he had all these like. Like, he had some things that he couldn't explain, like, why he hadn't bought an anniversary gift, which, of course, then is like, well, you didn't buy an anniversary gift because you okay, knew she like, wouldn't get it. By the way, a lot of husbands forget birthdays, anniversaries, and Valentine's, uh-huh. and Christmas. Like, they wait till... It's, like, a thing. Like, I remember watching, like, was it uh, Married with Children and or probably both Roseanne, where the men are going out, like, at the last minute, even on the middle to like the the convenience store or the drug store and buying like the shittiest fucking gifts they can just right. to have something for mother's day or whatever right or like like the whole trope of like oh that's today oh no i didn't get them an it, anniversary gift or flowers it's in the or... mail <laughs> right it hasn't so, been delivered yet but because of that because of this idea where stereotypically crimes can be committed by the person that you know or whatever it then can easily get twisted where every not 
innocent mistake that Nick made, but unrelated to Amy mistake that Nick made. Because Nick is not an innocent person. He just didn't abuse and kill Amy. Right. But that was able to get twisted in the media to say, oh, well, he has to be guilty. And I think that is stuff we've tried to talk on before, like with our actual true crime cases we cover, of like how um, I think we talked about on the ethics episode, our last episode, we talked about the guy who uh, whose wife went missing right after Chris Watts murdered his family. And so everyone was like, well, he's obviously guilty. It's that. And like Gone Girl does a really good job of showing how easily that can happen. Right. And that is quite realistic, even if you don't think anything else is. Like, I don't know that somebody could actually physically be as detailed and manipulative as she was. God, I'd hope not. Hope not, because that is terrifying. Next but, level. Next, 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 next level crazy. Right. But there, there is that layer of realism that I wanted to, like, bring up. Cause I thought that was, like, a really good point when I saw that on the discussion. Yeah, it is. And also, I honestly, I'm going to be that one person that says, I don't think just because... I mean, they, they should look at everyone, not just one person. And, and I feel like that's important, too. But beyond that, I feel like it should be noted that just because you don't react in certain situations the way somebody expects you to does not mean you are guilty. Exactly. Like we mentioned earlier, the selfie with the lady at the search party. He just wanted her to go away. We he see directly into his head as the readers. That is all he wanted was for her to go away. So he did what she wanted. And then after she left, he was like, shit, that's going to look bad. Not even just that. But like when Jillian died, uh, everyone was like, you're so strong. You're so this. You're so that. I could never be as strong as you. Okay. First of all, I appreciate all those loving accolades. I do. Um, I was just trauma struck and fucking losing my mind and trying to glue myself back together all at the same time. And I didn't cry at my daughter's memorial service. Um, everyone cried on me. I didn't have a chance. I'm not bitching. I'm just saying, like, I'm pointing out a, a fact, not, like, griping about it. I want that to be right. clear. Um, but everyone was crying on me. And uh, my husband, I don't, I didn't see him the whole fucking time we were there. He was outside smoking a lot. He was outside smoking a lot. But, you know, I wasn't. I was inside getting cried on and he was somewhere else. Does that mean we don't love each other? Does that mean we that we hate each other? That our marriage is, like, in ruins? Did no. Did you that they weren't singing together at the front of the room? And they and weren't this- crying and sobbing the whole time? And we got, and I'm not going to say who said it, but I've been told that people made shitty comments. And, and like, are you fucking serious? Like, I'm literally living, like, probably one of the worst days of my life right now, and you can't just let me have whatever emotion I'm I'm feeling be enough because right. that's the thing perception is when someone dies you have to cry when something sad happens you have to cry when you get mad you have to scream and throw a tantrum like everyone has these built-in perceptions of how you're supposed to react the difference is everyone reacts differently to different situations and people need to quit fucking judging other people so fucking difficultly it's because you you don't get to you don't walk in their shoes you don't fucking know right and like and like in relation to gone girl it's to the point where like even the police are buying into any like all the twists of the media despite nick saying 
I mean, Nick does like little white lies just like to try to not make himself look bad, which is shitty right. on his part. Like he should not have done that. He should not have said, Oh, we had reservations. They're like, Well, the restaurant said you didn't. So he should have been like little things like I've... that will trip you up and make you look stupid and guilty. Right, exactly. But then like they buy into and like even I had mentioned um that one of the detectives starts trying to like help prove that she was setting him up or whatever when he presented all the all the evidence. Um uh, to start off with she she so much believed that he did it that she wouldn't even mention her kid's name because she didn't trust him. Yeah. And she says that when they get on better terms, she just says, my, my daughter's name is whatever. She's like, I'm so sorry. I didn't trust you before to tell you that because I was so sure you killed her. Yeah. And, and it's little things like that. Like, you want to hide your personal information from somebody you think is a murderer. Like, it's those little things that she wrote so well that makes this book so phenomenal also she has other books Lindsay, you want to pull up uh i I don't want to butcher this i believe her other books are called sharper Sharper objects that's a sharper objects it's been turned into a tv show with amy adams the other one is called dark places and that was actually turned into a movie with charlie's throne which i will bitch about all day when we get to that book but our next book that we will be covering is the best thing ever i swear but we can't tell you why but that'll come out soon enough but the next book that we are covering is another melanie golding book it's called the hidden and it's on audible it's not free this time but it is worth your credit i'm telling you buy it buy it, buy it about little darlings it was great and this one is not a sequel per se it has a couple of the same characters who we know and love it's from in the little same darlings. realm it's in the same realm. It's not a sequel. Yes. And it um it obviously when you when you read it takes place after Little Darlings, but it's a standalone story. And it's oh, I can't wait to talk about if it. You, if you want to understand the hidden a little better, please read Melanie Golding's first book, Little Darlings. Little Darlings, because it makes the backstory, it gives you the backstory that you need to understand the characters and the hidden. But that's exactly, as much as yes. we're going to say for now. But be on the lookout for that really special episode when we talk and about. We promise the it's not going to take as long. Because it's not going to take as long. It's going to be fucking phenomenal. And we will shout it from the rooftops as soon as we get that episode recorded. Exactly what that special little surprise is. But until next time, listeners, stay spooky. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Ghosts in the Attics, Bodies in the Basement, a Fearscape Media podcast. Music by Stephen Timperley. Artwork by Laura Ramsey. Find us online at fearscapemedia.com forward slash GABB podcast. Or on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at GABB podcast. Or email us GABB podcast at gmail.com. Thank you.